Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. Thank you. Lovely to see your faces this foggy morning. We are a spiritual and spirited community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and we believe in doing that in community. We welcome you, especially those of you who are visiting with us this morning. If you have questions about Unitarian Universalism or about this congregation in particular, please don't hesitate to ask. There are friendly people at the visitor table who will do their best to help you. We come from an ancient tradition that speaks of a spark of the divine in every person. It is in the spirit of that tradition that I say, let us greet the divine in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left and welcoming them here this morning. Please say with me the words by which we light our chalice. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. One of the things that we do is write a mission as a congregation that will guide us as we move into the future together. This is the mission that you all wrote the year before I got here, and we are re-examining it this year because we promised ourselves it would be a living mission, which even if we left it the way it was, we would re-examine it every seven years. So I've been here six years. This is my seventh. And so this is the time when we'll have congregational conversations about it in November. So get your thoughts ready. And if your thoughts are, I don't want to talk about it. Let's leave it the way it is. Then just sit and breathe. (laughs) That is the way not to keep it alive. And the way to keep it alive is to talk about it. So it guides us and we say it together every Sunday. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Now is the time in our service when we become quiet together for prayer and meditation. Breathe deeply with me. Our hearts, our spirits, our minds are under siege with all of the suffering we see. There is our own and our families, our neighbors suffering, and also our neighbors who have been struck by hurricanes, earthquakes. Our neighbors who are ruled by petty despots. It is so easy to fall into despair or shut down. We need clarity. We need compassion for ourselves and others. We need generosity of spirit, determination to resist evil. May we be strengthened as we enter the wise silence together.
We're in the middle of talking about our mission during the sermons this month, and um, I talked last Sunday about how community is a crucible for creativity, for the creative, which is one name for God, um, or just for the creative spirit, a crucible for caring, and a crucible for curiosity about what shall we become, and what would I do if I didn't have this fear, and what might this congregation be able to accomplish in the world? And I want to talk about nourishing souls because souls come into this congregation hungry. And we get filled up, but you know, you don't just eat one meal and then never have to eat again, even though sometimes you feel like that. But you get hungry in your soul over and over again, and you need to be nourished. And so we have part of our mission that we want to nourish souls. We want our souls to be nourished, but more than anything, we want to be able to nourish other people's souls. And so um, mine is nourished by a whole list of things right now, um, friendship, conversation, movies, good fresh food prepared well. Um, I hope that more active things get added to the list by Christmas. (sighs) So what nourishes your soul? It's good to know. What do you feel feeds you? And um, I have an idea for how we can feed other people. Church is a good um, opportunity to practice nourishing other people's souls because you have hungry souls all around you and um, sometimes it's just a matter of letting somebody feel seen. So many people feel invisible just to say, I see you or how are you doing? Uh, Many, many Unitarian Universalists are shy, uh, reserved, introverted by nature, and we all need all of us. And so it's, it's sometimes difficult for us to go up to somebody we don't know. In other words, um, it's a nightmare in coffee hour for some people. And some churches are thinking of just having bracelets that you can put on that says silence. Like, it's okay if you just nod to me and don't talk. There was a funny, um, there was a funny thing on Facebook, a a fake ad. I'm hiring somebody to do coffee hour for me. (laughs) So there are all different kinds of us and we all get our souls nourished for different, in different ways. Um, So this is the birthday of the year. And what does that have to do with nourishing souls? Okay. I'll tell you. The birthday of the year is not celebrated in the Jewish tradition by big parties or big um, cakes with candles, even though that that was a lovely story. Um, There are ritual foods and there are ritual actions that you take. You go to synagogue, you eat apples with honey, you wish your family and friends Shana Tova, which is good, have a good year. Um, You mostly, in this 10 days of the days of awe, the high holy days, 
you're mostly reflecting on your actions of the past year. Who, whom have I helped? Did I hurt someone? Did I help somebody without being asked to help and give them the message that I thought they were incompetent? Did I say snappish things when really it was just uh, my hand that was hurting? Did I, did I take my despair out on my family? Have I called the, the politicians too many names? It's a time to reflect on who you are and how you've done. And then it's a time to ask forgiveness. Now, um, in a lot of religions, you ask God for forgiveness. And there are many among us who believe in God of some kind. Some people believe in a personal God, like the Jewish and Christian God. And some people believe in a and Muslim God. And some people believe in a more um, amorphous force. And some people have a higher power. And some people call God the creative or the sage or the great spirit. But... Um, sometimes it feels as Unitarian Universalists appropriate to ask the Great Spirit for forgiveness. But mostly we say you should ask the person for forgiveness that you hurt. Does that make sense? That, that person. I remember when I was a teenager, I was so mad at someone who shall not be named. And I said to him, I really need you to apologize. And he said, God has forgiven me, so I don't need your forgiveness. <laughs> that made me mad. Of course, when I was a teenager, it didn't take much to make me mad. I'm just going to leave that there. If there's anybody that's really bothering, <laughs> you know. And we don't only ask for forgiveness from the people we've hurt, we make amends. We try to make amends. We try to make it right, unless by making amends we'd make it worse. And so that's a, something that we do. At this time of year, we make apologies. And so I want to tell you that I think a good apology can really nourish someone's soul. Yeah. It can nourish your soul to get that off your chest and, and apologize and ask for forgiveness. And it can really heal and help the other person too. So I want to talk to you about what a good apology is. A good apology acknowledges their feelings. You say, I'm sorry that what I said or did made you feel this way that they've described feeling. And then you acknowledge their feelings you say something like, I certainly see how you could feel that way. That's hard sometimes, because a lot of times their feelings about what you did or said are completely unreasonable and non-rational. And how could they even feel that way about something you said which you meant in such a different way? Doesn't matter. You say, I certainly see how you could feel this way, and I'm sorry. Like I will say to you, 
this time of year. I am sorry that I had to leave you so precipitously without any warning, just dropped out of sight. I know you all had a lot of compassion for me and support, and yet there could be some feelings of anger or abandonment, non-rational, and yet I can see how you would feel that way. And I'm sorry. An apology demands that you see them in their, where they are in this, and that you become vulnerable to them. A really good over and above extra credit thing to say during an apology is, tell me how that felt for you. Because you might get an earful. But I promise it won't kill you. You just nod, and it makes people feel better to tell you how it felt for them. Here's a bad apology. I'm sorry if what I said hurt you. Uh Uh-uh. It's not if what I said hurt you, because obviously the person's hurt. You hear the difference there? Here's another bad one. This is one from my own life. I'm sorry if you chose to hurt yourself on that thing that I said. (laughs) Here's one that I used to do a lot before I found out it had a name and people were onto it. The premature apology. Where you go, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, 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 that I just said that. And then when the person goes, boy, that really felt bad, and you go, I said I was sorry. Like, I say I'm sorry, that cuts the conversation off, and you have to shut up now. Of course, I haven't done that for years. (sighs) Another thing that nourishes our soul, other than a good apology being given to us or our giving it to others. Another thing that nourishes our soul is ritual. We come in here, we have our rituals. You have your own rituals at home. Maybe you have an altar. Maybe you have a ritual of going for a walk. Maybe you make a circuit of your backyard. Maybe you fill up your bird feeders. Maybe you go to Enchanted Rock. Maybe you have rituals on your birthday. We light candles here, and I see it feeding people's souls as people do it. You have rituals for your birthday. You have rituals of all kinds. On Rosh Hashanah, we, the Jewish people, make ritual food. And there are ritual songs that are sung in the synagogue, and there are ritual prayers for this time of year. Music, listening to music together, is a ritual that nourishes our souls. Singing music together nourishes some of us and irritates some. I know. I know who you are. Some people during the hymn just shuffle their feet, and that's like all they can do not to roll their eyes. But most everybody is happy to sing, although if you're a musician that's picky, sometimes you go, I hate this hymn. It doesn't even scan. But we do, during our auction, almost every year have a... Um, bidding war over which hymn can be banned for a year. 
This year, it was We Are a Gentle, Angry People that somebody hated so much that they paid a lot of money to ban it. It's all right. Holly Near forgives you. I know that it's hard to figure out what your soul is, and if I were an old-school Unitarian minister, I would spend the whole sermon parsing the idea of soul. But this is Austin, and we have all heard music played without soul and with soul. (laughs) And we know the difference. And you don't have to say, what is soul? You just go, I don't know, but that person played with soul. And it speaks to your soul, and it has to do with their expression of their humanity or their essence comes through the music. Whenever you're creating or performing or writing, your essence comes through for good or ill. And so your soul is present. Oh, I thought that was a bug. It was not a bug, it was this. Now you know that I don't cuss loudly when I see a bug. Sometimes other ways, but... So, um, another thing that nourishes people's souls is being listened to. Being listened to is a very unusual experience for anyone. You don't think it is, but it really is. Because here's how most people listen. They listen to you talk, and as soon as you... Stop. They go, "Uh uh-huh, I know. And in in my experience, and then they're talking about you, them. Being really listened to is like being asked three questions in a row about what you said. Does that make sense? So they'll say, tell me more about that. Or what was that like? Instead of going right away to their experience, a listener will stay with your experience. Very unusual. And the therapy community talks about listening someone's soul into being. Very nourishing for someone's soul to be listened to. And it's very nourishing to someone's soul to feel belonging. I talked about this a little bit last week, but I want to tell you that we have small groups in this church called Chalice Circles, and um, they are uh, taking signups for these small groups. In the upcoming days, they're going to start in the middle of October, I think. So see Lane, who did the story. She usually is walking around out there or at that table on the other side of the wall um, and say, you'd like to learn more about cello circles, and she'll tell you. Worship is another thing that nourishes our souls, just to come together and hold up what is sacred and have an experience together and think together in the same room with somebody with other people. I was a, I went to the Quaker meeting, silent meeting when I was a teenager, Haverford, Pennsylvania. And it was so wonderful just sitting in silence with other people. I couldn't believe how different it was from sitting in silence alone in that the energy of the other people flows in through your own thoughts. And every now and then one of the music students from Curtis which is a great music school in Philadelphia, would stand up and play his violin as his expression in the silent meeting. It was quite wonderful. And it drove my mother crazy, which was also great. (laughs) 
So on the birthday of the world, we nourish our souls and we nourish other people's souls with worship, with music, with ritual food. Cesar Chavez said, if you want to know the heart of another person, go eat their food with them. And if they share their food with you, they are sharing their heart with you. Eating with other people, especially eating ritual food, is so nourishing and so bonding. It's a sacred act. So every religion has its food, its rituals, its ways of thinking about God. I thought about Unitarian Universalist traditions um, and our, our potluck dinners. And I thought about Protestant potluck dinners all over the country. I don't know much about Roman Catholic potluck dinners because um, that's just not in my experience. But I know in the Midwest you bring a hot dish and in the South you bring a casserole. And our Unitarian Universalist tradition is similar, although we always have many vegetarian options. And we have some vegan options as well, and gluten-free options, because it's important to our theology to be welcoming and inclusive of all into our rituals. And those are little ways that we can do it. And if we have alcohol, we also have an equally um, attractive alternative to the alcohol. This is what we dream of being inclusive and welcoming. So we use our souls to open to the fountain of love that is at the heart of the world and let it flow through us to other people. This is what we're all about. May we be able to do it and may it strengthen us to do what must be done. spirit of generosity continue to grow. May we begin to notice the rituals that feed our souls. May we hold in our heart with compassion those who have been displaced and who no longer have access to the rituals that feed their souls. May we go from this place in peace. Remember the way of the wind and breathe and blow. Remember the way of the fire and sparkle and glitter and glow. Remember the way of the water and ebb and flow. Remember the way of the earth and grow. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.